This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. So I'm going to take you behind the scenes today. I wanted to hop on and talk about what I'm just thinking about in general around meal planning now. And this is a mostly my experience, just pulling back the curtain to what's going on in my brain right now around food and meal planning. But one of the things I'm going to share with you five ideas that I'm thinking a lot about, and one of them came straight from a Flow 365er. And I'm so excited to share this with you. It's going to be, I think it's a hack that you're going to want to take with you and implement yourself. So I've been thinking a lot about this for a number of reasons. You know, they all sort of stacked on to be like, oh my gosh, I need to press record on this episode. So the first one was I got an email the other day from someone who just purchased Plan Simple Meals. And to be honest, sometimes I forget that I wrote that book. I love it. I love everything. I stand for everything that's in it. And it was, you know, nine years ago, probably at this time, 10 years ago, all the pictures in there of my kids when they were, you know, school aged. I think my one who's now in high school was probably four and all the pictures in that book. And it was just a different vibe. So I've been thinking a lot about the difference between then and now. And I'll get more into that in a minute, because there's so much that's from there that we had set up that, oh my gosh, it paved the way for so many wins in our life, even in really hard moments. And so I'll talk through a little bit of that today. So that happened. And then the other thing is, is it's just been dinner, actually dinner's the meal that has just been kind of weird ever since my two oldest left to go on their adventures because one's in college and one's taking a gap year and they are not here. So we have one kid here who just started high school and me and my husband and our dog. And also my husband has gone back into work more than usual. And it's just really different. You would have thought that that would have made everything easier, but at this weird level kind of made things harder. And it just got me thinking that it's not that the actual circumstance is hard, the actual circumstances, it's actually way easier technically to make dinner and all food now than it was five months ago. And it also feels harder because it was a big change that happened, right? Our house greatly shifted in its vibration in the past five months now that there's three of us. So I've just been thinking a lot about that. So that brings me to the first idea I wanted to share with you, which is just the idea of embracing a new phase. 
And I'm asking myself a lot right now, especially around mealtime. I mean, really around all areas of my life, but we're going to focus this on mealtime. It's just, I've been asking myself and really specifically around dinner, what needs to change? Like what's ready to change, especially from the time that I wrote everything that's in Plan Simple Meals. And that's honestly the stories that I explain in there are how we lived through high school when all three kids were here. That was how they encountered food. It stayed pretty similar in that way for all that time. We started eating way more food, which I'll get to as well. But we ate in that way. And then the other question I've been asking, and this really got given to me by my daughter who's home, is what is beautiful and worth keeping about how it's been, right? So what's worth changing and what's really quite beautiful about what we've created and worth holding on to? So we're not eating the quantity that we were eating. That's definitely a big thing that's changed. I guess two leaving, maybe one, they're both athletes. One was a guy athlete. (laughs) Also, one of my kids who's gone is the one who had very severe food allergies and ate a lot of protein. The other one was a vegetarian and he was also an athlete. And so it's just like, it's just different. It's really, really different. And I'm the only one right now who has any sort of dietary restrictions. The two that are here would be happy eating really anything, which is interesting because you'd think that that would be easier, but it's making it harder for me to make my choices. Another thing that's changing is the timing is just different. A little of that is just landing in the fall. So if you're like listening to this and you're like, I'm in the same situation I've been for a couple of years, maybe kids are home, maybe kids are long gone, but the timing can change even season to season. And so part of that was just going from summer to fall. And the daughter who was home having different activities, my husband who's home having a different work schedule. He had been home because of the pandemic, working from home for a few years. So it's just different. And I started asking myself some big questions, often spurred by my own listening to books and podcasts, because I'm a pretty perpetual learner. And I think it was Corinne Crabtree, whose work on food I really appreciate and refer people to her all the time. And she shared that her and her family don't eat the same meals. She has a certain way she likes to eat. Her spouse has a certain way he likes to eat. And they have a son who has certain pickiness and what he needs to eat. And it's just not the same. So they sit and enjoy meals together, but it hasn't there. And her child is an adult child, by the way. So it hasn't mattered that it's the same. And so this really got me thinking because in the days of planned simple meals, when my kids were little, the fact that we were eating the same, I felt was very, very important. I have three eaters who are very adventurous and that dinner of eating the same thing and sitting down together, I think it's really what made that happen without me ever having to open my mouth about what we were eating. And so in that phase, it was really important. And I've been wondering whether it's important in this phase. And the second thing I'm thinking about, you'll hear why. And I've also been thinking a lot about like what food we need now, because we were definitely in the sort of like, Costco mode for the past few years, having these athletes always going to these 
races that sometimes lasted all day. And I became really good at understanding like what places like Costco had to offer. And it's where we learned how to get like that we could get great quinoa and hemp, and which has is a plant-based protein. And I just figured out all the great things that Costco had. And we figured out like when they had certain organic things, they have the best avocados, but we just don't need that quantity right now. And so I've been thinking a lot about, okay, how can we shift and get things more locally and more sustainably? And what does that look like? And it's been really fun. I've had this practice of going on Wednesdays to the farmer's market and seeing what's there. I've even been to the one that's on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which isn't in my town. And it's just been, it's been really fun to have that rhythm and be able to think about food a little less in advance. During the pandemic, I also had gotten really good at planning for the week. And I'm noticing the freedom right now in not having to do that. Or I'm going to tell you (laughs) about that in a minute, because it was feeling like freedom. And now all of a sudden, I'm back to needing to think about the week a little bit. But I can still go get food closer to when we're eating it, which was has been which is new, which is just a different thing. I've also been doing a lot of walking to get food instead of driving to get food, which because I don't need to get as big of a thing, it's like I can just throw on a backpack and go walk, which has been a really nice way to move. So in the first weeks when my kids left, my two older kids, I literally, we kept missing family dinner. We weren't used to the new schedule. My daughter who was home is playing a sport at night and my husband who was getting back into the rhythm of going into the office a couple days a week was getting back late and I had no idea what to do with myself. I was kind of sad at the beginning when the two left and it took me a minute to figure out how to fill the time you know, after about 4 or 5 p.m. was something that wasn't work. I'm still working on it. It's still a work in progress, but I'm better and better. But at that point, It was hard and I would look up and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh my gosh, why haven't I made dinner? And then a few weeks in, my daughter looked at us and me and my husband and was just like, I mean, she might have used curse words, but she was basically like WTF mom and papa, like what's happening? Where are the dinners? And it was funny because we kind of both assumed like she was being a little teenagery and we, we kind of assumed that this was better. It's not like I didn't have dinner made for her. It's just sometimes... I would make something and I would be like, sit down and I was doing something else in the kitchen and I would talk to her from afar and then my husband would come back and maybe he would fix something different and eat a little later. But the point was, is we weren't really sitting down intentionally together, which is a practice that we have honestly done since my kids were like two, like for a long time. And my 14 year old looked at us and was like, I miss that. And I just got to thinking that my other two, they both wrote college essays about family dinner. It was really, really important to them. And I think that it really creates just the safest of spaces to connect. And I don't think it's ever too late to start. You could start with your spouse. You can start with adult children. You can start with adult children and their kids. You can start with older kids. I think that teenagers sometimes might put up a thing like, what are you talking about? I don't want that. But there's been studies done, actually, and they do want it. They want dinner, like with the people who love them most. Even if you're in total silence, it's a connecting moment. And it's a beautiful time of day because it's like everyone's coming from individual experiences often and 
coming together before sleep with the people who they love most. And it's just a really nice time to be super intentional and connecting. And so we got back to it. But we had to really embrace what that means now. And it's interesting because, yes, with three kids running in circles around me when they were little, it was probably harder to pull together dinner logistically, but it's felt harder now, possibly emotionally. And so now we've been talking a lot about that and it's been great. And I'm so glad we got it back. And I'm so glad my daughter spoke up about how that was not a change she was willing to have. And so now I find myself fighting for it too. So we're still defining our new phase. You know, we're working on all the things. Lunch is still working the way it's worked forever. I actually genuinely enjoy packing my kids great lunches. So I'm still doing that for my daughter, even though she totally could do it. It's just like my little gift to her every morning. And I love that. And she generally comes down and gets fruit or a smoothie. Or sometimes, you know, my husband or I will make her something special on different moments in the morning. But we figure it out. Like the morning, we're all together, but a little bit more in passing and trying to get out the door, if you know what I mean. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to figure out the new phase. Still working on the quantity of food. I really don't want to waste food. So that's the next thing in embracing this new phase is how do we not waste food? Because we're still understanding the quantity situation. (laughs) All right. So the second thing I'm thinking about is that my health is really number one for me, again, I would say. So this is the beginning of the story. This is the beginning of me switching from owning a design firm to coming into the coaching space is when I decided that I needed to change my food and my health. And that was 14 years ago. And, you know, I've never looked back and things coasted for many years there. I mean, I haven't had gluten or dairy since the time of that change. I gave up alcohol a few years ago and it's been okay. And yet right now it's feeling like I'm ready to support myself in a different way. Another reason that I think probably I've been ready to support my way myself in this new way for a couple of years now, but my middle daughter had a hard time during the pandemic and food was a really big part of that. And like, I'm conscious right now of how she so beautifully moved through and healed her relationship with food. And I got really nervous that I don't even know what I got nervous about, but I internalized it in a different way and didn't move as fast as she was moving. By the way, she's like my teacher. You know, I feel like each kid comes with what they need to give you. And each of my kids has a very specific thing. My youngest who's here is like my lookalike. And so I feel like she acts like I would have acted with different conditioning And my middle one is the one who goes through a lot of hard things that I need to see. And she comes out like she's just she processes stuff very much out loud in a raw way, which is beautiful and sometimes hard to parent. And then she comes out with this big smile. And what I've learned is that I'm not always there with her. Like I haven't always processed it in the same way. And I think that that's true about food. So I've been shy around really stepping into what I've really been craving to step into about my health. And it feels so nuanced that it also feels weird to share out loud. Like when people look at me, they're like, you're already so healthy. Like, isn't that what else like could you do? But there's just this like little piece that 
wants to shift. And I've been doing, you guys have met a few times actually on the podcast, but also if you've come to any of our events, but as part of Flow 365, we have a couple teachers who teach alongside me. And one of them is Julie Hannon, who is a shamanic healer. I call her my shaman. (laughs) She calls herself a shamanic healer. And she leads these beautiful meditations in flow every month and really helps people, us all connect to sort of the energy outside of ourselves and just really helps spend time for everybody who's in flow because we're, you know, we're there to really figure out time. But I've been diving deep into her work with her. And so I've been doing her medicine wheel, which is a four-day weekend experience where you go around the shamanic medicine wheel. And so I've been around half of it and I have two more to go, two more weekends to go. And the last weekend, so much shifted. And she offered that now our bodies might want to catch up. And something about that was just so profound to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, my body like really wants to be catch up to all like this work and all the sort of mindset and soul work I've done over the past four years. And so I feel like finally almost from the place of like deepest love for my future self, I just feel on this mission to follow through for my health in a different way. And I know that in doing this, I will shift some of the perimenopause symptoms that I'm seeing that are all over the place from like hot flashes to just heavy bleeding to weird leg and knee pain to cramping that's unbearable. Like I literally sometimes am like, okay, there's this one day a month where I should just stay in bed. And it also really supports my work and my relationships, which is so cool. Like I can see how food is so much bigger than my body. It's supporting, it's my body supporting all these other parts of my life and my energy. So that's really exciting. And the way that I personally am navigating this is that Julie's teacher, when she became a shaman, was someone named Alberto, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Villaldo. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he wrote a book called Grow a New Body, How Spirit and Power Plant Nutrients Can Transform Your Health. And it takes some of the stuff I've been doing for the past couple of years with like tests. It just, it's very similar, but it takes it sort of to the next level for me. And I'm so excited. And the other thing about it is it's like, it's a lot. The book is, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot to take in and follow through on. There's a huge supplement component. And because I feel like my energy has shifted, I can see how kind I'm being to myself, even in putting my health first and how I'm taking it at a pace, which makes sense in all aspects of my life right now. And I'm really kind of proud of myself for that because there would have been a time when I would have had to like go all in and do all the things. And I'm not sure that I would have made it past week one. So I'm slowly taking in all the supplements. Like I think I started with three the first week and I added three the second week. I mean, literally while it gets to a series of like I don't know, 12 or 14. So I'm doing that slowly and I'm slowly getting to the place of the foods. And then I will do the three week protocol that it suggests, but I'm like easing myself there and I already feel the effects and it's so cool. 
So that's really exciting. I am growing a new body. (laughs) That is how I'm putting my health number one again. Okay, so with each of these things, I'm inviting you to like figure this out for you, right? So what my first thing about embracing a new phase, what phase are you in? How can you really look at that and define that for yourself? And what would it look like for you if you put your health at the top again? or for the first time. And it most definitely doesn't need to be the way I am, right? My journey is my journey, your journey is your journey, but the question can be the same. How do I put my health first in a really sustainable, loving way? Okay, here is the next thing I'm thinking about that I'm doing that I teach all the time that's in the flow planner, which by the way, have I told you? I don't think I did announcements at the beginning of this episode, but the new flow planner is almost coming out. So definitely go get yourself on the wait list. It's so good. And I think I'm saying this out loud and I hope I'm saying it right, but well, just go to plansimple.com and click on the flow planner link and that will get you to the wait list page. I was going to try to tell you the exact URL, but just go to plansimple.com and click on the flow planner and you will now get to how to get on the wait list. But one of the things in the planner has always been on the daily page to what you're going to eat for the day. And the interesting thing about the flow planner is it's less about like becoming really anal about your time and more about remembering the promises that you're making to yourself and re-remembering them so that as you come up against resistance or fear or rebellion or whatever's coming up for you, then it's like you can remember from the part of your brain that has that future self at the center, which is it's not always where we act from. Often we act from our past self, which is like, why wouldn't you have that cookie? <laughs> So we're always bringing it forward. So on the today page, there's always a place to put your food in. Now there's also a page on the weekly view where you write your whole food plan for the week. But the daily one is what I've really re-embraced again. So I got really good over the years about planning my week and planning the week of meals for our family. And as you heard, I'm having to rejigger that a little bit, but the habit is still there. Like I still sit down. It was just, I was missing the mark a little bit on it and getting the wrong food and all the things. But each day is really about me and what I'm needing. So in the evening before I go to bed, when my belly is still full from dinner, I sit down and I think about what's tomorrow and I flip back to my weekly plan and I see what I've said and I check in and I make sure that's still resonant. And I look sometimes in the fridge to make sure we still have what I said I would have. And I really decide again, yes, this is what I'm doing. And by doing that, I find that even though I'm in the midst of making some changes, which actually feel kind of hard to me. I really love me some sugar. (laughs) Part of this plan is taking out sugar. I'm a pretty big chocolate fan. I mean, the sugar I eat is would be healthy by some. It's like dark chocolate and chocolate smoothies with bananas. But this protocol that I'm doing, it doesn't have that in it. And I'm really excited to try it for four weeks and understand how it really affects my brain. And so... I have to look at that every night and recommit to this desire to support my energy, my spirit, my mind in a different way. And so this practice of every night before bed, rewriting what it is I'm having tomorrow, or if you're not somebody who plans every week, just deciding you could try this too, is really impactful. I just love this practice. And then when I get to the day and I'm thinking about what I'm doing, 
or when I get to the day and I'm practicing doing what I said I would do, basically, if I get to a hard moment, it's like I can rely back on my plan from that was just from the night before. I feel that when I did the weekly plan, which I still sometimes do, I mean, I do to shop for our family. But when I just do that, by Wednesday, I'm kind of disconnected from it. So it's like that evening thing becomes really important of like, yes, what's today? What's today? And it really grounds me in what I want for myself. And because I'm doing this in the flow planner or on one of our today pages, which by the way, you can download on our site. If you don't have that, you just go to the free course and part of the free course and ebook is the today page. But if I put it there, I'm also looking at the whole framework of my day and it just helps me be more grounded and more aligned with the day that's about to happen before I go to sleep. So it's almost like I can integrate it in my sleep. And then when I wake up, I'm more likely to, I'm going to say a pun, go with the flow, as I would say. All right. So that is the third thing, right? So planning my food each evening before the next day. This is something that has been part of the system, been part of my life for a while, but I'm experiencing it at a new level. And it's probably because I'm actually like doing it every day. It's like, it's become a really important practice in changing my health again. By the way, this is the thing I did 14 years ago before the flow planning method was a thing. This was the first thing I started with was deciding what I was going to eat the next day. And as you might know, from my story, it was kind of the same (laughs) for a couple months there. But this practice really helped me at that point where the change was like, so huge. All right. Number four of the things that I'm thinking about is that I'm really, really practicing being okay with discomfort. So at 3 p.m. when I 100% would have gone and found a dark chocolate bar (laughs) and I still really want it, but I've decided that that's not what I want right now, I let myself feel uncomfortable. And I used to think that this was really bad. Like, that something was wrong with me and that other people were always happy and that this wasn't an okay feeling. And so even if I didn't go get the chocolate, I never felt good about not having the chocolate. And if I did go get the chocolate, I felt like I had, I don't know, tricked myself or not kept my promise to myself, which was that I didn't want it initially. So And I'm not saying, by the way, to never have chocolate. I don't plan on living a life with no dark chocolate. Again, I'm just doing this four-week experiment to grow a new body. (laughs) And I'm just seeing what it's like, and I'm having fun with it. And dark chocolate is amazing. And many healthy people integrate it into their worlds. It's just right now, with my particular things that are going on, I'm really trying to not have any sugar. So I'm practicing, though, being okay with the discomfort and feeling safe in it. And it's been really amazing. I feel like it makes me more in tuned with all my emotions. It makes me feel okay to have them all. It tends to only last, and Julie actually shares this often in our monthly OM sessions, but it doesn't last more than 90 seconds. And I think she even shares sometimes it only lasts 60 seconds. So it's not that long. It can feel long, which is an interesting thing about time, but it's not actually that long. And it just makes me like, it tunes me in. It makes me more aware. And in the long term, it actually reduces my stress and anxiety because I've shown myself that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And so 
after doing that a few times, I really know it's going to be okay, even if for a moment I want the thing. Does that make sense? And so I used to think that this was, and probably it's like a very fine line between like depriving yourself and making yourself miserable. So I just want to acknowledge that it's taking me a while to really come at this from a place of deep love and respect for my body and for myself and for my energy and for my soul. Like it's taken me, it's, it's been a journey and I'm at this place where it feels really aligned. And I did practice this before I feel like I felt so aligned. And it's one of the things that, to be honest, helped me come into this loving relationship with my body. So I don't know. I think for most people, I kind of think it's interesting to practice being with discomfort and see what that does for you. And what that means to me, by the way, is that it's like you have this urge or desire to have something. So since we're talking about food, maybe I have an urge or desire to have cookies for a snack. But on my list of what was today, maybe I had a smoothie and a beautiful veggie bowl with quinoa and veggies and a beautiful soup for dinner. And maybe I had that I was going to have some nuts or a different smoothie for a snack, right? So maybe that was on my plan. And so when the cookie idea comes up, you know, I can look at my plan, I'm still going to feel the discomfort, but I can really feel it in my body. That's what it means to feel it. Like I can feel it in my body and I become really aware of it. And in the past, what would have happened is I would have felt this like tinge of it and I would have run for the cookie. But this is really allowing myself to feel it. And that's where the 60 to 90 seconds comes in. And then it passes. And very often after it passes, something way more creative comes into my head of what's really going on and what I really need, right? So sometimes, you know, if I'm having the cookie because something's really annoyed me, I can call and process something that happened with a friend or a coach. If it's because I'm really sad, I can go cry, right? And so it's like I can actually process the emotion that's under that urge, that's under the discomfort. Does that make sense? And that has been, oh my gosh, so hugely helpful. And it's a practice. It's like a practice that I'm still practicing. I don't feel like it will probably ever be an end destination because I feel like there's always the next level. And I don't even know what that is right now, but I can say that looking back, there's been a number of levels and I can see how where I am now is very different than when I first heard this idea maybe three or four years ago. Okay, so here's the last thing. This is so fun. So this one is not from me. This is from a Flow365er. And in Flow365 for the past few weeks, we've been doing these individual accountability buddies around health. I just sort of partnered everybody up who wanted to be partnered up and they're checking in for two to three minutes a day on their health goals. And so we've also then been having these extra calls where we check in and just get to riff and almost mastermind on health things. We do a lot of masterminding on business and work things, but we don't always do this about food and health. And so we've been doing that. I'm probably going to continue this because it's been so great for people to really hear from each other and see what everyone's doing and cheer each other on. It's been amazing calls and we've all gotten a bunch of ideas. And so one person shared that she is using chat GBT to meal plan 
And I was like, wait, what? And she says, yeah, she just goes there. And if you don't know what ChatGPT is, it's an AI thing. So you could just go Google it and you'll find it. And it's free. And she goes and she just like puts in to the chat, you know, what some of her goals are. And then it tells her some ideas and then she keeps simplifying it. So she'll keep asking it questions in the same chat so that it keeps refining it. So she might say how much protein she's trying to have and what kinds of food she likes and that she has a daughter who's picky and she just keeps getting really good response. And then when something's off, she'll say no, like more like this and less like that. And then it will give her another idea. And then she asked at one point for a menu with a limited set of ingredients because she was trying to just simplify what she was bringing in her house and streamline her grocery bill and things like that. And then she asked it for a list of themes, which if you know, I like am a huge believer in themes and coming up with like, okay, this is soup night and this is farm to table night or whatever the different thing. This is leftover night. This is takeout. They can be anything, right? They don't have to all have to be home cooked meals, but having themes so that you have these anchors of what you're planning for in a week. And so she asked it for that. So I decided as I was about to record this, that I would ask ChatGPT how it could help us meal plan. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you that, okay? Because it's really fun. So this is how it says you can best do it. It says to define your goals and preferences first. So that is what this Flow 365er did. So start by clarifying your dietary goals and preferences. Are you looking to eat healthier? Are you looking to follow a specific diet like vegetarian or keto or paleo or gluten? free or whatever it is? Are you simply trying to make balanced meals? Do you have food allergies or restrictions? So you define your preferences. That's the first thing ChatGPT said. Then it says, next, gather information. So collect information about your dietary requirements, such as do you have macronutrient goals or carbohydrates or protein or fat or micronutrient needs like vitamins and minerals, right? So gather that so you know what to tell it and put that into it too. And then you can start to generate meal ideas. So ask ChatGPT to generate meal ideas based on your goals and preferences, right? So you have to write out your goals and preferences probably before you come to it. And so, for example, you can say, can you suggest some healthy breakfast options, like given these preferences? Or can you give me some low-carb dinner ideas or some gluten-free dinner ideas? And then it will just generate them. Isn't that so cool? All right, it spit out 10 things. So I'm going to tell you all 10, okay? So the fourth one is it can plan your meals. So once you have a list of meal ideas, you can organize them into a meal plan for the week and create your schedule. And then if there's anything a little bit off, you know, you can even ask it to put it per day. You can say, can you organize this meal plan per day, knowing that Tuesday and Thursday are my busy days, right? <laughs> That's so cool. All right. So then number five is you can adjust portion sizes. So you can ask ChatGBT for guidance on portion sizes. And you can say like, how much should I eat to get this much protein? Or how much should I eat to get this goal that I'm doing, whatever it is, right? I don't love calories. So you don't hopefully need to put that in. But you know, that's you can ask it about portion sizes. Maybe like, what's a portion size for an adult athlete? What's the portion size for a kid, right? So cool. And then after you finalize your meal plan, and it's in ChatGPT, you can ask ChatGPT to generate a shopping list based on the ingredients needed for the recipes you choose. I mean, really? And so that's like my worst part of 
<laughs> making a meal plan. I'm actually really excited to test this out. By the way, I have not done this so much, but one person shared it and then like five other people implemented this and everybody came to our last call and was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And a lot of times it was the people with kids who were trying to eat one way and the kids reading a different way and they were trying to put together dinners and everything that they were getting recommended was amazing. You can use it to get recipe recommendations. So if you have a specific ingredients on hand, you can type those in and then ask ChatGPT for recipe recommendations. You can say like, I have chicken and broccoli. What can I make for dinner? Right? Isn't that cool? And it will give you a bunch of suggestions and you can decide on one of them. All right. I'm trying to think if it said anything else. Well, I already shared the next thing it spit out was that it can adapt to your schedule. So it, you can tell it like these are the busy days. These are the more easeful days that, you know, put the easier meals on the busy days or the ones that take less time. You can learn and experiment using ChatGPT. So you can learn about new cooking techniques, ingredients, flavor combinations, right? So you can experiment with different recipes and that might keep your meals interesting and enjoyable. By the way, I'm always coaching people away from this if they're having a hard time meal planning. So experiment once you've like got it down, meal planning and following through and then come back and use it for that. If you're already there and you know how to do it, but you're bored of what you're doing, then that's a good one. And then you can like just like monitor and adjust so you can periodically review your meal plan and assess how it aligns. And then you can go back to chat GPT and make adjustments because your chat is always there. And so you could come to it week after week and say, can you make me a different variation on this one? I mean, how cool is that? So I was really excited by that. I'm hoping I'm not sounding more exciting than the four things that I'm also working on in my life. And I will try to implement this one soon. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're having a great weekend. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.